So this morning I'm starting what I call a periodic preaching series, which is to say that over the summer as I periodically preach in between some weekends away, I will be preaching a series of sermons on prayer. It is a silly thing really to think about preaching a summer sermon series on prayer, for there could be no series of sermons long enough to begin to scratch even the surface of this great mysterious relationship we have with God through prayer. On top of it, I consider myself the least of the preachers when it comes to preaching on prayer. I am at best a neophyte when it comes to prayer, a fellow disciple who day in and day out inquires of Jesus, as you may as well, Lord, teach me to pray. Consider these sermons in the words of John Claypool, tracks of a fellow struggler. The more I learn about prayer, the more I attempt to pray myself, the less I think I know. So, it will be to the Lord's Prayer that I will turn as I consider with you this essential practice of the Spirit. There may be no more direct teaching of Jesus in all the Gospels than his teaching on prayer, specifically when the disciples come and ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus gives them a rather direct answer. When you pray, pray like this. And what follows are the words of the Lord's Prayer. The church over the centuries has adopted the Lord's Prayer as a model to be a part of its liturgy. We pray the Lord's Prayer almost every Sunday. But in our weekly and daily praying the Lord's Prayer, it may be that we don't always consider it beyond simply the recitation that we employ during Sunday mornings. In fact, perhaps it is there to help us to understand that this is an agenda for prayer. That when Jesus gives us these words, he's giving us words not just to recite, but words to frame all of the conversations that we have with God. All of our conversations with God. Underline conversation. Remember that prayer is a conversation, not a human monologue, not an order to be given at the God drive through not a demand of the cosmic bellhop. Prayer is a conversation with God when we put ourselves in a position to listen, to wonder, to ponder, to discern what God might be saying to our lives. To listen, to wonder, to ponder, to discern what might God be saying to my life. This may come as a surprise to you. God has something to say to your life. Imagine that. God has something to say to your life and mine. It may be something that we have been desperate to hear for a long time, or it may be something we've been afraid to hear for a long time. But this holy creating God has something to say that actually might do us some good. And prayer is in is our putting ourselves in the position to hear it, which means that prayer is this great adventure of listening to the mystery and to the righteousness of God without necessarily knowing what God might be saying. 
without necessarily knowing what God is trying to say or what God is going to say. You know, they say that a good lawyer shouldn't ask a question of a witness that she doesn't already know the answer to. Well, prayer is quite the opposite. Prayer is asking a question of the heavenly one that we definitely don't know the answer to. That's why my series is entitled Being Careful what you pray for, because prayer is bound to do something to you. If what we're hoping for is to hear what God has to say to our lives, then prayer is the step onto holy ground where the voice of God is likely going to say something we were not expecting to hear. God's ways are not our ways, says the prophet. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. So there will be six parts to this series, each completing the sentence, to pray is to, first to pray is to change, then pray to pray is to work, then pray to pray is to trust, to pray is to forgive, to pray is to examine, and to pray is to love. So with those in mind, and again, using the Lord's Prayer as our framework, let's begin with Jesus' teaching from Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15. Hear the word of God. Jesus is speaking to his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount and says, And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you're praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. No, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And then our second lesson comes to us from the book of Genesis, the 32nd chapter, beginning at the 22nd verse, the great story of Jacob wrestling with the angel. The same night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maids, and his eleven children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok, and he took them and sent them across the stream, and likewise everything that he had. And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. And then he said, Let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. And then the man said, You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. 
But he said, what is it that you ask? Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the thigh muscle that is on the hip socket, because he struck Jacob on the hip socket at the thigh muscle. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Allow, O Lord, these words to come to simply mirror the words just read and to point to the word in the flesh, Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. I told you not long ago a story once told by Professor Tom Long, who is a professor at Emory University, about a couple that he once knew in a church he once served. The couple had a four-year-old girl and a new baby boy that they had just brought home from the hospital. And one of those early days after the boy arrived home from the hospital, the four-year-old asked the parents if she could have just a couple of minutes alone with the new baby. The baby was upstairs in the crib. The parents looked at each other, not knowing what the plan might be, but Out of curiosity, they let their daughter have a couple minutes alone with her new baby brother, not, of course, without following quietly behind and peeking through the door to make sure no shenanigans were afoot. So what they saw when they looked through the door was their four-year-old daughter standing up on a chair next to the crib and leaning over the crib. And what they heard her say to her new baby brother was this, tell me everything you know about God. I'm already starting to forget. Tell me everything you know about God. I'm already starting to forget. Now, a story like that bears repeating, I think, because it says a lot about a lot of different things. And one of the things that makes me wonder about is what happens to each of us when we enter this thing called the world, when we begin to live out our life in the world. When, when a baby enters the world, it seems pretty much that such child is left to his or her own devices and the devices of those around him and to figure out, you know, how am I supposed to live in this world? How does one really do life? And, and who knows what that little baby is going to pick up. If there are things that we knew about God when we entered the world, well, we sure know how easy it is for the world to get us to unknow them. You know what I mean, right? The world is not want for opinion. The world is not want for all sorts of ways for us to go. And the world is filled with all sorts of folks who are happy to tell us what direction we should take. And and frankly, if left to our own devices, we might be happy just simply to do it our own way, to do it the way we think best, masters of our own destiny. Amanda and I recently became the proud grandparents of a grand dog. Duke is his name. Duke was an eight-week-old rescue puppy that our daughter and her husband brought home from the rescue shelter about nine weeks ago. Duke is a mixed breed, shall we say, a mutt, a Heinz 57. 
Now, they had no idea what they were getting when they brought this cute bugger home. One thing was clear, though. Duke had big paws, monster paws. One thing we know about Duke is that he has a lot of growing to do. And Duke, like all puppies, has lots of energy and believes that just about everything right now is fair game. Chewing, biting, jumping, digging, peeing, barking, howling, you name it. Duke is more than happy to do it. And without any relationship to anybody, there are all kinds of things that Duke would continue to do for the rest of his life. If allowed, he would be what was, shall we call it, a wild dog and he would live wildly. But once rescued, Duke is now in relationship with someone loving human parents, loving human grandparents who, if nothing else, feed him and save him from himself, save him from running into the road, save him from alligators in the pond, save him from eating stuff that will make him sick. Duke does not necessarily appreciate these attempts to save him from himself. Does he like leashes, the commands, the training, the obedience school? No, Duke likes to be wild. But what is happening in these puppies days is that there is a relationship of well-being being formed. Mom and dad are bringing wellness to Duke and Duke is bringing wellness to mom and dad, at least before they kill each other. <laughs> so you and I, when we enter the world are surrounded by all kinds of lights and sounds and faces and stimuli and food and smells and toys and roads and alligators and temptations and advice of a thousand people on how to live our lives. And on top of it, the freedom, the absolute freedom to live however we choose to live life. We are born wild, and it's no surprise then when the disciples come to Jesus and ask Him about this thing called prayer, Jesus begins by saying, you know, when you start thinking about prayer, it's best to think of the one to whom you're praying. And so think of God as heavenly and holy Father. Our Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Think of God as one with whom to have a relationship, Jesus says, of well-being. Think of God as one to go to to wonder, what do I need to be saved from myself? What do I need to do to be rescued from the dangers and temptations of the world? Tell me everything about yourself, O oh God, because I'm already starting to forget. Because you know this weary old world has its way of getting its talons into us and convincing us that we are masters of our own fate. We are wild scavengers. I'm on my own to scrap for what I need. Unleashed to wander at my own peril. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. As if to say that maybe 
maybe, just maybe there is a way to live in this world and the way to live in this world has everything to do with the designer of the world, the creator of the order of things, the one who knows how the whole thing works together and that maybe, just maybe, there is some well-being to be found in this relationship with the creator and the heavenly Holy Father. Underscore relationship. Relationship of well-being. Who among you, Jesus asked in another part of the New Testament, who among you would, would give a snake if your child asked for a fish? Who among you would give a scorpion if your child asked for an egg? Well, Jesus continues, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, well, then how much more will your heavenly Father give to those who ask for the Holy Spirit? Good question. And so it may be our, my greatest temptation. It may be my greatest obstruction to prayer when I begin and thinking that I kind of already know what I need. Have you ever thought that to yourself? Yeah, I kind of know what I need. Have you ever formed that thought even into a prayer? Lord, here's what I need. I need not to be leased. I need not to be held back from pursuing my self-serving agenda. I need not to be told no to that toy or gadget. I need not to be kept from the dangerous alligator. I need not to be held back from jumping on my unsuspecting neighbor. No, just let me run wild, Lord. Just let me be me. And the older you get, the less leasing you think is necessary. Never thinking that maybe what we've been asking for all along, and here it is, Maybe what we've been asking for all along is the serpent. When maybe the master has for us a luscious red snapper. Never have I come across a more compelling sentence on prayer than the one I read in Richard Foster's great book on the spiritual life called Celebration of Discipline. When he said this one sentence, five words. To pray is to change. To pray is to change. To pray is to be shaped and formed and disciplined and trained into well-being. To be in this relationship of good fortune, not to be given everything I want, but to be given everything I need. So when the scoundrel Jacob has managed to play life mostly his way, right? He's cheated his way and he cheated his father and brother out of what that should have been rightly theirs. And he ends up living this life on the lamb. And when finally all his past is coming home to roost, it's then that he gets this visit from an angel. He gets this visit from an angel and Jacob wrestles with the angel. Jacob tangles with the holy. Jacob engages in what shall we call physical prayer. And, and maybe Jacob just doesn't want to change. But be careful who you wrestle with. Be careful what you pray for, because when you cry out, Our Father in heaven, you are opening yourself up to some changing. And so Jacob wrestled with that angel, and he and the angel fall to the ground, and they roll in the dust, and Jacob says, Bless me! And the angel blesses him, but you can't get blessed without something about you getting put out of joint. And sure enough, 
the Bible says Jacob got his prayer answered. And he never walked the same again. He got his prayer answered. And he never walked the same again. To pray is to change. So I remember the time I got sideways with a person. You know, they just kind of lived life a little differently than I did, and they had, he had different values, and I started losing trust in this person because, you know, we just weren't on the same page. And so I went to the good Lord because I was always in the presence of this person. I went to the good Lord and said, you know, you got to do something about this guy. You got to wake him up. You got to set him straight. You got to put him on the right track. And nothing. Nothing. No apparent difference. Yo, Lord, did you not get the message? Isn't it as clear as the nose on your face if God has a nose on his face? How much this guy needs to change? Silence. Pregnant pause. I hate those pregnant pauses of God. Because they're usually pregnant with something for me. And so in one particular moment when this gentleman was making my blood pressure rise and my anger seethe, I heard the good Lord say to me out of one of those pregnant pauses, Steve, is it he who needs changing? Or is it you? Good question. Was it Albert Einstein who said, we cannot solve our problems with the same thinking we used when we created them? And maybe that's what Jesus was thinking when he invited us to begin our prayers, our Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, how would be your name? Our Father, who, who might have a different way of thinking than the thinking that got me here. Our Father, who might have something better than a scorpion to offer. Our Father, who might love us enough to keep us from running into the road. Our Father, who might have a different way for us to walk. Our Father, who yearns for the relationship of well-being. Our Father, change me and save me from myself. 